and the hits of the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Kane, 107.5. Good morning and welcome to Bayou Sports here on a big Wednesday hump day, September the 7th. And uh, with that, uh, Jeff, uh, uh, pretty much a little bit about uh, Steelers to retire a number today, uh, or I should say later on in September the game. Uh, Cubs, uh, Contreras placed on IL, along with Russo to Yanks. Uh, over half a million little leaguers, or minor leaguers, excuse me, vote to uh, unionize. And uh, did you say half a million? Ha- uh, half a million. Uh, did, did let's see, what else. over half of the minor leaguers voted to yeah, unionize. That, that makes more sense. Yeah. yeah, of course. You know, the minor leagues have uh, just been uh, almost cut in half too. The number of teams today. Uh, uh, last year, I think it took place where the owners decided that we don't need all these minor league teams, and uh, um, pretty much now it's just A, double A, triple A, and then you head to the majors. Uh, might have a few rookie leagues, but that's about it. But with that this morning, uh, uh, Jeff, you know as well as I do, we'd like to talk about a, a person that uh, touched our lives and touched a lot of lives in New Iberia, and that's the passing of Clint Beef Broussard uh, yesterday afternoon around 4.30. Yeah, no doubt. Um, not, not only, um, you know, and, and this is a sports show, and we could talk about his contributions to uh, youth athletics uh, yes. to no end, and uh, but but it goes way beyond that. Um, there is a guy who would hustle gasoline for us when uh, we were relying on gas uh, generator during a hurricane, and you, you could count on that guy for just about anything. Yeah, you could, and uh, he just, uh, as you mentioned, uh, the, the youth he touched in this community with regards to soccer with uh, helping out with uh, and you think about it in the past week or so we've lost two Mm. big people with the Mm. softball hall of fame beef used to uh, cook for that uh, meeting each year and uh, have uh, uh, just uh, at no cost he'd just get it done and uh, you know with the passing of Pat Thibodeau also yeah uh, and the two of them you know you never hope to be at somebody's funeral but it's such a shame that the two passed uh, so close together, and neither were able to be at each other's funeral. Yeah, and uh, just kind of sad. And uh, but you look at the remarkable things that Beef did for throughout people in the community. Uh, uh, basically, I can recall an incident uh, where a friend's uh, transmission gave out on him on the, I guess the highway heading to uh, New Orleans, and he got a friend, and they got up and got in his. His uh, at the time his van and uh, went to help him out and I mean just things like that. You and I both know taking uh, us to ball games in Houston uh, and enjoying. Uh, he, had, uh, he had the hook up there. He had a client uh, right. in Houston and that's right. We got we got hooked up. Yeah, and uh, just uh, the numerous things he did for this community. Just we could talk here for the remainder of the show. But we want to uh, let people know of the passing of uh, not many people knew his first name either yeah. as Clint. Everybody, and he introduced himself as Beef or Beefy, and uh, he, he uh, just uh, just uh, and played football for the Yellow Jackets back in the mid seventies and uh, helped his father get that business started with Jim Products. And uh, how many times you'd see Jim Products uh, just out of nowhere helping with whether it be plates or tissues or whatever the case may be so uh anyway the passing of beef broussard uh he, he touched so many young people's oh, no, lives no. and uh people's lives here in the community of uh new iberia so uh just wanted to uh, mention that jeff and uh Did, you know i i referenced it during the uh, obituary notices but uh, at this point i don't know of uh, any funeral home uh, not even the funeral home we don't know yet no not at all okay. and uh and uh, I'm sure his two children uh, will address that uh, along with his family. And uh, with uh, he's still and he's got, you know, family that lives out in West Texas. So uh, they'll probably uh, make arrangements to come in and all. So uh, we'll see. And hopefully we'll, you'll have something uh, with the old bits each morning to let the uh, listeners know so they can pay their respects to uh, uh, one new Iberian that touched many lives. Uh, I can duly say well, you know, I, on Facebook at about 6 p.m. yesterday, I posted something very vague. Uh, I said, it's uh, all too soon, but what a friend. That was it. That's what I posted. Uh-huh. Everybody knew what I was talking about. Uh, I can believe that. And you know, the, the response is, uh, again, the lives this man touched. Uh, 
just uh, heartbreaking. Yeah, it really is. And uh, he'd been battling uh, illness for about uh, about three weeks, I guess. And uh, he just, I was hoping maybe he could uh, show a little strength and uh, fight through it, but uh, wasn't able to and uh, and, and pass. Uh, sometime yesterday afternoon, I'm hearing around 4.30, hospice had come in early uh, that morning. Uh, so uh, he had he was comfortable in his passing. So, uh uh, just uh, just a new Iberian that uh, will be missed. So, like I said, he and Pat Thibodeau, I mean, uh, just for years put together the Hall of Fame and many other things with the parks and uh, communities. So uh, those two will be missed uh, in that regard. So uh, uh, rip to beef, that's all I can say. No doubt. No doubt. Anyway, back to uh, Bayou Sports uh, in that regard. So, uh, anyway, uh, as we mentioned, the Steelers uh, planning to retire a, a big-time number. I think it's September 24th. Maybe they're going to retire Franco Harris's number. you think that number would have been retired by now. I, when I saw that article, I just said, I can't believe Franco Harris's number 32 hadn't been retired by the Steelers. I don't think it's a coincidence they're waiting, actually, for week 16. Uh, so okay, later almost- on. So that December, sometime in December, the same day. As the immaculate reception and against Oakland, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Exactly, uh, it is no. Uh, it, it is uh, he recorded his immaculate reception December twenty third, nineteen seventy two. So fifty years uh, after that, um, it'll be just about fifty years. Uh, but uh, yeah, no uh, doubt uh, the the uh, it's such a beautiful uh, thought by uh, Pittsburgh to do it exactly then. What's amazing, I can remember that game like yesterday. Of all things, I had to go pick up my sister at the airport in New Orleans, and they'd caught a ride into the city, so I had to go meet her at uh, someone's home. And my future brother-in-law, when I were listening to the game, I can't remember which station in New Orleans, uh, a radio station, and the announcer just went ballistic when the pass was completed. We looked at each other, my future brother-in-law, and I were going, what happened? We don't even know. And as uh, things calmed down a little bit, uh, Franco Harris caught that tip pass, which uh, many uh, Raider fans believe that uh, it was off the uh, intended uh, receiver, and uh, Franco catches it right off the ground and scampers the remaining 40 yards. And the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think, are in the playoffs for the first time. I'm not so sure it was the first time ever in the history of the uh, of the uh, Steelers program. Well, uh, Art Rooney the second uh, had a quote from his grandfather. Before Franco got here, we didn't win much. Since he got here, we don't lose. I think that sums it up pretty good, his impact on the franchise. Uh, hard to overstate, and it's, it's almost as if, uh, you know, back in the, I think Franco retired in the early 80s, and it was maybe then that they decided, you know, we're going to wait 50 years <laughs> or 40 more years <laughs> to retire his number just so we can uh, spank the uh, Raiders one more time. Yeah, and uh, basically, uh, Franco, of course, when you look back at their draft, uh, they took Mean Joe Green, I think, in 69. Then they came along with Bradshaw, Terry Bradshaw from Tech. And then they built through the draft. And then, uh, lo and behold, that 74 draft for them produced, what, I think, four uh, uh, future Hall of Famers and Jack Lambert and uh, that crowd. I just, it was unbelievable the uh, class they pulled in that year. And they go in to win uh, four Super Bowls in the next six years. So uh, dominance by the Steelers. And, again, I, just, I can't believe they, they waited 50 years yeah. to retire that number. You know, the Steelers, a pretty iconic franchise, uh, but they've only retired two numbers, uh, Ernie Stautner's uh, number 70 and 64, and Mean Joe Green, who, of course, gave his jersey to a kid for a sip of Coke. Yeah. So they had to retire his number, uh, 75. You can remember Ernie Stott. I think he was the Dallas defensive line coach for many years, too. Yes, And he did commercials, too. He was one of those that did a few commercials in the day. I'm not sure it was maybe uh, uh, one of the beer brand commercials and all. but uh, He had um, forearms. Like Popeye. <laughs> he did. And he was probably one of those guys in the 50s that went both ways like Chuck McNarrick for the Eagles uh, back in the day. But uh, Franco Harris, number 32. And, you know, I was at the first uh, the first Super Bowl game that the Steelers won in New Orleans uh, in January. I think that was the last game played in old Tulane Stadium. And I remember, forget, it wasn't really cold, but it was a damp cold. Mm. And I bought one of those little knit hats you pull over your head and uh, – 
I gave it away to uh, someone a few years back, and uh, that that basically kept me warm during the game as we were sitting in the uh, south end zone uh, that afternoon. So, uh, and it just overcast, and it was probably in the 40s, but it was just that damp feeling at old old Tulane Stadium as the Steelers won 16 to six over Fran Tarkenton and the Vikings that afternoon. What what do you think uh, Terry Bradshaw is thinking about right now? (laughs) 12 well i mean honestly he's got to be thinking when's my turn yeah well i, I can't think of any well maybe i ought to put them in together i mean he threw the the pass that was tipped and bobbed and went up and as franco caught and scooted down the uh, left sideline and and what was at the old uh, three rivers stadium i do believe that game was played yeah it was and uh between the and i always tell ask people what were the three rivers what, the, the three the monongahela the ohio and the uh your allegheny allegheny yeah uh, those were the three rivers that formed uh, pittsburgh there and uh anyway just uh franco harris and uh just a true uh a stealer through I guess and through the, the two create the third because uh, there's just the two converge into yeah, the, the allegheny and the and, and uh the monongahela converge into the ohio yeah which the ohio then drains into the uh mississippi uh somewhere up um i guess somewhere north of uh, st louis i do believe uh, where it drains, I could be wrong with my geography, but uh, pretty sure that's where it drains into. The Ohio, I think, separates uh, uh, Kentucky from uh, Indiana and Illinois, I do believe. I don't it's think, some uh, Ohio, isn't it? It, it? I'm not sure where it uh, – it, it may uh, hover around Kentucky, and it's terrible that I don't – I know it doesn't cut through Illinois. It may uh, – I think it the forms border. the end of the border, yeah, yeah the borders. Yeah. Uh, Kentucky, Illinois, and the borders yeah. uh, as it runs through into uh, the Mississippi there. But uh, anyway, uh, interesting that uh, we're going to wait 50 years. So December 24th, I do believe, is the game they play the Raiders in later on this year. I said September, but it, you're correct. That is December. And uh, also uh, the Cubs place Contreras on the IL along with uh, the Yankees place Rizzo. Uh, don't know, uh, of course, the Cubs uh, fighting uh, just to stay up uh, and can be sparless to a lot of teams uh, the, who they may play for the division titles. Yankees, Ruzo, I don't know how long Ruzo might be on the I.L. Not sure of his injury either. You may know. It's, it's back issues. I know he had an epidural uh, recently as well, but he's been uh, on and off, well, mainly off the last uh, week, 10 days or so, with some back issues, and uh, hopefully he'll... Be back for a postseason run. Anyway, uh, with that, so it should be interesting. Elsewhere, uh, I mentioned uh, over half of the minor leaguers vote for unionization, and that's going to be interesting, too, because you— Is it half of minor leaguers or half of major leaguers? uh, The minor leaguers voted on this. They put it out there. It seemed to me there would be more than half, you know, and— Many more than half, but, uh, you know, major leaguers had to approve the idea, too. Yes, that's right. And, you know, you and I both uh, know that uh, minor leaguers for years, uh, boy, you had to love the game unless you had one of those real big signing bonuses. Uh, uh, You were paid uh, pittance, I don't know, six, eight hundred dollars a month riding around in uh, old buses, whether it be a school bus or some type of a uh, larger bus, but uh, those guys had to love the game. Meal money was probably about $15 a day, uh, so you were packing up. On and the they were fed at the ballpark, and let me tell you, they ate at the ballpark. I used to be around uh, those guys, uh, my days with the New Orleans Zephyrs. Uh, they, they didn't leave much on the table. Yeah, uh, I bet you, you're probably right about that. So uh, anyway, so these guys uh, – I have the article here. It came out about uh, sometime late yesterday afternoon uh, in regards to that. So uh, basically uh, the article states that more than half the minor league players have turned in uh, union authorization cards, paving the way for the players to organize and join the Major League Baseball Players Association. The union announced uh, yesterday. In a letter sent to Major League Baseball on Tuesday morning, Union said it asked for voluntary uh, recognition for the league or from the league in which Major League Baseball would acknowledge that the majority of the minor league players are seeking to unionize and formally accept Major League Baseball Players Association as their bargaining representative. Minor league players have made it uh, unmistakably clear they want the Major League Baseball Association to represent them or ready to begin collective bargaining in order to positively affect upcoming season 
If the league chooses not to recognize by date specified in the letter, the Major League Baseball Players Association could hold a vote to the National Labor Relations Board in which more than 50% of the eligible players would need to vote for in favor of unionization. Ten days after, the Players Association sent out a union authorization card to minor league players. The percentage returned far exceeded the threshold of the 30% necessary for the next step for potential unionization. Minor league players have said higher wages and better working conditions are among their top priorities. And uh, it's going to be interesting, Jeff, to see how this all comes to. I'm sure there's going to be a base of a uh, minor league uh, salary yeah, and things of that nature. Just just a living wage, you yeah, know, sure. a, a reasonable willing living wage. And a lot of these guys know that, you know, they're not going to make the majors. Uh, but you, you've got that dream and you're willing to sacrifice a little bit, but at least give us uh, a living wage. Although you mentioned the bonus babies. Uh, I remember interviewing J.D. Drew. J.D. Drew, out he, of Florida State. He uh, uh, was drafted by the Phillies, uh, refused to show up, uh, and he was eventually traded to the Cardinal yep. organization. Uh, he was with Memphis uh, when I interviewed him before what was, I'm pretty sure, his first game. I think um, their trip to New Orleans was his first game. All right. And uh, I, I asked him, you're making more money during this interview than I will all year. <laughs> how do you how do you channel that uh, and knowing that the guys around you aren't nearly making that kind of money he took it in stride and said you know it is what it is yeah, um, pretty you know. much anyway the issue of minor league pay has rocketed in the forefront in sports in recent years and the vast majority of players currently receive you ready 400 to 700 dollars a week or only paid in season Major League Baseball in July agreed to pay $185 million to settle the federal class action lawsuit filed by the minor league players who sought pay after alleged minimum wage and overtime uh, violations by teams. The Senate Judiciary Committee said it intends to hold the hearings on the treatment of the minor league players and how the league's antitrust exemption affects them. So uh, hopefully uh, we can see uh, what's going to take place probably uh, next year at this time, uh, um, or I should say next uh, March in April when they start joining their minor league teams. We'll see what uh, how the union has uh, put everything together, and hopefully these guys can have uh, a decent wage. And, you know, it's not – the minor league teams might have an association with a parent club, but uh, their own by individuals uh, throughout the uh, leagues, throughout the country – uh, and uh, I don't know what type of supplement uh, the major leagues uh, hand the minor leagues in any regard. I'm not familiar with that at all. So it uh, should be pretty interesting. We will uh, look forward to following that uh, story. Think we need to take a break? Yeah, we need to take a break. We've got a couple coaches on later on this morning here on Kane Radio, uh, FM 107.5 and AM 1240. Stay with us. We'll be back with more. Is it time for a new roof or to repair the old one? Hi, this is Jake Blanchard with L.A. Classic Roofing. We're a third-generation roofing contractor that has been in the business for over 70 years. As a locally owned and operated company, we're also licensed and insured for your peace of mind. We offer free estimates and a $100 referral fee for full roof replacement. Check us out on Facebook at L.A. Classic Roofing. And the number to call is 465-3888. L.A. Classic Roofing, professional roofing solutions since the 1950s. Hey guys, if you're looking for the top golf experience in Iberia Parish, you need to look no further than Cane Row Golf and Turf Club. Low or high handicappers will enjoy the beautiful greens, the recently refurbished sand traps, and incredibly plush fairways. And by the way, you don't have to be a golfer to enjoy Cane Row. The brand new clubhouse sports some of the best burgers, pizza, wings, and many other choices along with absolutely the best, most potent margaritas that you've ever tried. So whether it's golf, food, or just some fun, come to Cane Row and enjoy. With more than 50 years of pain diagnosis and pain relief experience, Headache and Pain Center offers the latest in interventional pain relief techniques at two locations in Gray and here in New Iberia. Compassionate board certified physicians and the caring staff offer minimally invasive ultrasound and fluoroscopy guided procedures that diminish or eliminate pain without open surgery, opioids, or major downtime. When you're in pain, you know who to call. Headache and Pain Center, 337-560-0880 or go to AnswerToPain.com. Celebrating 75 years in business, Danos has been setting the standard for generations. Become part of something bigger. Join the team. 
We're currently hiring for a variety of offshore positions in both our production and construction divisions, and you can apply right now at danos.com or call us at 1-833-GO-DANOS. Great jobs, great people. That's Danos. Now back to Bayou Sports. Phone lines are open to talk sports at 367-1240. Welcome back to Bayou Sports here on a big Wednesday hump day, uh, September the 7th, uh, trying to uh, reach two courts, Artie Lyles from the Delcom Panthers, who Jeff last week uh, journeyed over to Centerville to take on the uh, Centerville team. I'm not sure, quite sure what their moniker is. I think it's Bulldogs. I don't know why that comes to my mind. But uh, this coming Friday, uh, the Delcom Panthers will entertain the Hanson Memorial uh, over in Delcom uh, uh, Friday night at 7 o'clock. So, uh, uh, pretty be pretty interesting. Hanson had a uh, pretty good game last week. They uh, beat the, the team they were supposed to or played last week pretty badly. So, Panthers come out, I think, with a 20 to nothing win over Centerville uh, to start off uh, the 2022 season for Coach Artie Lauza, and uh, hopefully to have him on the line momentarily. Uh, Jeff, anything uh, else uh, with regards to the Delcom Panthers? Uh, well, well, let's um, hold uh, those thoughts uh, for uh, Coach uh, Lauza to check in with us, uh, but I know that they're looking forward to their first home game, uh, that's for sure, and in fact, uh, the community of Delcom, one of those communities that uh, supports their team, as we see in Lauraville, uh, just great community support. And I know they're looking forward to that one. Uh, in the meantime, I know the sports writers of uh, Louisiana released their uh, most recent poll. And uh, once again, the Westgate Tigers, uh, no surprise after the uh, 48 to nothing route of uh, New Iberia. Friday night that they would remain uh, the top team in 4A football. Yeah, big win for them. Uh, um, everybody uh, thinking that, uh, uh, and we too uh, thought uh, Nish would uh, uh, have a start off pretty good, but uh, boy, they run into a buzzsaw with uh, the Westgate Tigers and uh, uh, the Tigers uh, trying to uh, repeat in the 4A classification as a state champion. Uh, of course, uh, uh, Westgate, uh, we had Coach Ryan Antoine on uh uh, Monday morning uh, for Labor Day, and uh, he was pretty uh, pretty sure his team can improve, uh, even though with the big win. And they uh, they they showing that uh, they'll be a contender this year in that regard with uh, uh, them trying to repeat. And um, I just it's something Coach Antoine said. Yeah, they had a few bumps and bruises like you usually do with uh, your team, but. Uh, Came out of that game pretty healthy, too. Yeah, their biggest issue was special teams, I think, on Friday night. And those things can be worked out. It's not a lack of talent. It was just yeah, execution and very uh, workable uh, situations there, snaps uh, and things like that. What uh, surprised me, Lafayette Christian getting a couple of first-place votes, uh, their first year in 4A. Not that their numbers uh, justify 4A. They chose to play up uh, right. in 4A and – they got a couple of uh, votes uh, for first place, but finished in third. Warren Easton, uh, the runner-up last year, the number two team. Yeah, and uh, LCA uh, uh, hammered, uh, uh, I think you can say, uh, a good Acadiana team, the Wrecking Rams. Uh, they, they got a jump to a big lead early and held on. Uh, that they did, and uh, we all know that Acadiana uh, pretty much uh, dominated uh uh, 5A in the uh, non-select, and at LCA just uh, they came to play football, and they had three or four of their players last year signed Division One uh, scholarships. Uh, um, so, uh, and I'm hearing that they've got three or four more this year. And uh, I think uh, I think the head football coach here is uh, Trev Falk, who's uh, built a, a good program in their basketball team as uh, I called a Catholic High LCA game last year in the playoffs, and they dominated a Catholic High team. Of course, Catholic High started three freshmen in that game, but uh, they have size, they had speed, they had, they could shoot, uh, they'd play good defense. So, uh, anyway, I'm sure the same thing could be said of the football team. And last year, they were Westgate's one of their only two defeats yeah. along with St. Aug. So that ought to tell you a lot about that program right there. And uh, I can't say that they beat Westgate bad, but uh, they did handle. It was a low-scoring game, fairly tight. Yeah. yeah. And two other uh, area teams in uh, 4A's top 10, St. Thomas Moran at number 5 and 
Cecilia after a win against St. Martinville uh, in at number 10. Yeah, Cecilia always has a good football team. Uh, they just year in and year out uh, put good players out there. And St. Thomas More, what more can you say? The big, uh, the big uh, parochial school in, in Lafayette Parish and uh, there for years. Uh, they, they fought for years to try to win a state championship. Finally came through a few years back, and uh, I'm sure they've reloaded again. So it should be interesting when that game uh, between uh, Westgate and St. Thomas More takes place later on during the course of the year. Of course, waiting for Coach Artie Laosa. Hopefully we can get in touch with him in the next few minutes, Jeff, and uh, he can tell us uh, a little bit about his game last week against Centerville and then his upcoming game as they take on Hanson Memorial. Yeah. Um, some other teams in the top ten locally, uh, 5A. Acadiana, even with that loss, they have them at number six, but that is the only area team in the top ten. Uh, you have to go toward New Orleans and uh, up north to uh, see the rest of the top ten there. Uh, Karen Crow did uh, get a little love, though, uh, I guess, with votes. Uh, could be considered the number 12 team in the uh, state. Uh, 3A, uh, as far as uh, the top ten, we don't have a lot of 3A schools, but Abbeville and St. Martinville, um, 7 and 8, respectively. Uh, so, again, getting there. And just got word from uh, Coach Lyus, uh, won't be able to uh, call in today. He's got a class. Okay. And and that's one of the things we understand, that every once in a while uh, those coaches are not going to be available because, hey, work happens. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> They've got to teach. And so uh, I, I appreciate Coach uh, Lyus uh, shooting me a message there just a second ago, uh, letting us know that uh, he's covering a class today. But we'll look forward to the next time. And uh, how about some other uh, updates with Triple uh, tr- uh, A? You just spoke about Danny. Uh, what's uh, in Double A? Do you see the poll for Double A yet? Has it been uh, looking at it right now? Okay. And uh, Manny on top there, St. Charles Catholic, Newman, Notre Dame, uh, Oak Grove, Avoyles, Calvary Baptist, Mangum, North Caddo, Dunham, uh, and uh, I'm trying. Lorville did get a few uh, votes. Uh, All right, you could consider them number twelve and. Franklin at 14 uh, in there. So a little love for uh, Lauraville. And Class A, Washtenaw Christian, Southern Lab, Homer, Kentwood, Logansport, St. Frederick, B.C. after their big win against Catholic High there and at number 7. Then Haynesville, Riverside Academy, Ascension, Catholic rounding out the top 10. Uh, so uh, some local teams represented in the state polls uh, through the course of the year, too. And, uh, you know, Jeff, uh, we, we hadn't spoken about this lately, but it was a big subject uh, during the course of the uh, summer is how will the Louisiana High School Athletic Association Executive Committee handle the select mm-hmm. non-select appeals, you know, that I'm sure that are taking place right now. And uh it's going to be interesting how that all that's going to play out, too. The question is that the 70 schools uh, who are set to appeal their – 70 schools have sought to, to appeal their decisions. It's going to be regards. a busy couple of weeks for Eddie Bonine. Oh, yes. A, a total of 18 appeals seeking to overturn their uh, decision to place schools in the select ranks over the summer. Highlight a two-day fall meeting that begins at 1030 in uh, Louisiana High School Athletic Association's office. Appeals are set to start at 1 p.m. with Cattle Parish Appeal on behalf of all nine schools. All appeals will be closed to the public. The executive director, Eddie Bonine, has said 10 minutes will be allotted for each appeal. He said the 10-minute period is the same amount allowed for hardship and other executive uh, committee appeals. Uh, schools will not receive a ruling on their status uh, Wednesday, Bonane said the results of each appeal will be sent to the schools in the most timely manner possible. Bonine also said that uh, he will use five models of what the, uh, the revised playoff brackets could look like for football, basketball, baseball, and softball during the Thursday discussion on playoff structure. And that also will be in a closed session. Elsewhere, the most important thing is to make these appeals the same uh, he said each appeal will be at 10 minutes. We will not ask the same questions. An important reason is to keep the appeals uh, closed and that the parishes have superintendents and others who don't normally appear before us speaking 
Uh, we're going to ask why a certain school should be a select or non-select. We want the speakers to be able to speak freely to us. We don't want to put anyone in an awkward situation. Of course, last June, the executive committee revised the definition of select schools to add all charter schools, parishes with open enrollment, and schools with any magnet uh, component. Uh, Again, select. I mean, right. it, I mean, it literally is the definition of, you know, a lot of folks um, always heard select, non-select. They said public or private. But no, the bottom line is select. That's right. You got to select where you went to school. Yeah. That's I mean, the, it's, it's clearly defined. Yeah, that's the operative word here. And, uh, of course, the preliminary list uh, in June uh, listed 207 schools as non-select and 198 as select. After surveying schools about the education models for the list was was revised to 210 select, 195 non-select. And I've had people ask uh, me to do, I think it will be 55 to 45 or 52, 48, he said, Bonin said. He said the honest answer is that we don't know. A lot depend on these appeals. And that's all taking place sometime this morning. He also reiterated a point he has made repeatedly since June. The select definition change is about competitive balance and not an attempt to end the select-non-select split that began in 2013. Like any other action, the Louisiana High School Athletic Association Committee, Executive Committee, I should say, and staff, the changes are subject to approval by the uh, high school association membership in January, and that's the principals now. Yeah, I mean, they could overturn everything. That's right, that's right. Coming in January, but it wouldn't uh, affect this current uh, season and football playoff. That's right. Orleans Parish has 23 schools involved in the appeal, while Jefferson Parish and Rapids Parish's appeals involve 11 schools. Iberville Parish is appealing for Plaquemine, East Iberville, and White Castle, other uh, Baton Rouge area appeals are for Glen Oaks, Slaughter Community uh, Charter, Livonia, uh, elsewhere. That's, uh, it should be interesting, Jeff. And I, I like you, uh, you know, if you have open enrollment, if a young um, lady or man that uh, lives in an area that near that school and they decide to go to School X, uh, which is in uh, another community five miles away, uh, it's open enrollment, so uh, and you know as well as I do, it takes place here in this parish. There's pretty much kids can hop to another school, uh, and they're in another uh, jurisdiction, a zone for another high school, and uh, that goes on. It's not publicly. I'm not going to shout out anybody, but we both know it uh, takes place. Yeah, and but but again, it's not uh, outlined. Uh, you, True. It's you know, so. While it does a lot of hardships, apparently. Yeah, you know, <laughs> whether I'm living with grandma or auntie or whatever, but uh, a lot of these young people, boys and girls, uh, go to school where they're zoned for somewhere else. And uh, I think it's, I'm not sure if it's the principals that kind of uh, turn their heads or the coaches, but uh, it, it takes place right here in this parish. Southside may have the best argument uh, because even though most of Lafayette does have. Uh, some open enrollment, uh, Southside pretty much doesn't. So uh, they're, they're going to have a decent argument. Uh, we'll see about their appeal. But one select school uh, we know will remain a select school, and that's Highland Baptist. And Coach Rick Hudson is set to join us in just a bit. Okay, and uh, with that, uh, let's go ahead and take a break, and uh, we'll be back with Coach Rick Hudson of the Highland Baptist Bears right after this. Nowadays, none of us can be without adequate insurance coverage, but we still want to be sure we're getting the best value for the money. That's why so many people call the Schwing Insurance Agency to get a quote. The Schwing family has been handling the insurance needs of businesses and homeowners for almost 80 years. You can depend on Schwing Insurance to find the coverage you need at the best price. So before you buy a new policy or renew an existing one, call the Schwing Insurance Agency for a quote at 365-2357. Schwing Insurance, 300 East Main, across from the shadows. The Quarter Tavern is the premier spot for live music. Be there Thursday for Southern Jack Productions. Sunday the 11th, it's a special breakfast fundraiser for St. Francis Diner with T.K. Hewlin and Steve Adams from 9 to 12, and then the Saints at noon. 19 TVs has you covered for the Saints and LSU with half-price drinks during their games and dollar shots when they score. Quarter Tavern, 910 East Main across from McDonald's, now serving fresh fruit, margaritas, and daiquiris. Hey guys, if you're looking for the top golf experience in Iberia Parish, you need to look no further than Cane Row Golf and Turf Club. 
Low or high handicappers will enjoy the beautiful greens, the recently refurbished sand traps, and incredibly plush fairways. And by the way, you don't have to be a golfer to enjoy Cane Row. The brand new clubhouse sports some of the best burgers, pizza, wings, and many other choices along with absolutely the best, most potent margaritas that you've ever tried. So whether it's golf, food, or just some fun, come to Cane Row and enjoy. Now back to Bayou Sports on the all-new Cane 107.5. Welcome back. Uh, as uh, We're here on Bayou Sports here on our hump day, uh, Wednesday, September the 7th. And on the line with us is head football coach from the Highland Baptist Bears who uh, looks to attain his second win this year. Uh, coach, good morning. Uh, welcome to Bayou Sports. Good morning. Uh, coach, uh, had, a, had a nice win last week as you uh, – Beat Homer Christian twenty to fourteen. I think was the final score. Uh, was it last Thursday you played that game? Yes, sir. And uh, how things come out for you, Coach? And I know you look forward to this week's matchup uh, against Hamilton Christian. I do believe. Yes, sir. We go from Homer Christian to Hamilton Christian, and uh, uh, this week we play on Friday, and we play on the road. Um, uh, kind of. Uh, them different teams. The team we played last week was a run-oriented wing T team, and uh, this week uh, Hamilton Christian is a an air raid school, a run and shoot type uh, program that throws the ball about seventy percent of the time. So, uh, almost completely different in terms of uh, philosophy, and and so preparation has been a lot different this week than last. How, how rare is that in uh, Class A football? And, and I know that's your love of the game as well. And um, I would imagine uh, coaching against that kind of team when it's your uh, forte uh, as well, does that make it a little bit easier to prepare? Well, uh, you know, the main thing about preparation is about what you have personnel-wise. It's not necessarily schematically. And... uh the thing that has us concerned about Hamilton Christian is the amount of speed that they have at their skill positions. Uh, uh, I'd have to say they're quite a bit faster than us at this point. Uh, the only thing is they're, they're kind of struggling at the quarterback position. They haven't been, uh, very consistent there. They've actually tried three different quarterbacks so far. Uh, looking at their last game against Grand Lake, I think they may be actually going to start an eighth grader at quarterback, but mm-hmm. he is one of the best athletes in Lake Charles according to all my sources over there. Very good. Well, kind of like a Kyler Murray type uh, athlete, you know, undersized but has a cannon for an arm and super, super quick. He's really hard to really hard to keep uh, in the pocket. An eighth grader, too. Yes. yes. I mean, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's very impressive. Uh, I, the future's going to be very bright for him, I can tell you that. There you go. Uh, real quick, uh, though, recap uh, Thursday night's game against Homa Christian. Uh, the keys to success there. Well, it was it was kind of a roller coaster of a game. We we went out and scored on the first drive. It only took us five plays. Drove down, had a you know well executed drive and scored, made the extra point, and it stayed seven to nothing for a good bit of time. And then we we had a fumble that gave them good field position, and they went in and tied the game up at seven seven. And we were able to get one more score before halftime to go up fourteen to seven, uh, actually thirteen to seven, and uh, had the extra point block and um, stayed that way for a good while. And we scored again, made it twenty to seven, and uh, they scored in the fourth quarter to cut the lead to six. And we had the game pretty much wrapped up until we snapped the ball over our punter's head, and they started inside the twenty yard line with about two minutes to go in the game. And uh, the final play was them running a quarterback sneak from, from the one-yard line with uh, no timeouts left and the clock running out, and we were able to keep him out of the end zone. There you go. The, uh, you, know, you, you mentioned the, the snap. Um, you know, <laughs> talk about how tough it is to pull off um, the long snap, and uh, I'm not sure exactly what led to LSU's problem with that final uh, extra point miss, uh, the, the block, but... You know, so many things can go wrong with special teams, uh, and, and it just underlines. Well, they do, the... and and you see them so often in yeah. these, you know, early season games, particularly jamborees in week one. I mean, uh, and for a lot of us at the high school level, we're trying out new people. But it was kind of crazy because the young man that we had snapping for us has been our snapper for three years, and has just been super, super consistent. And right now, he's kind of struggling a little bit. The first snap he had Friday night was a bounce. 
to the to the punter, and I guess he overcompensated for that and sent it over his head. Yeah, I, I was the worst high school center of all time, and I can tell you uh, one of my best friends still remember a snap I, a bad snap I made where he was the tight end. He was supposed to get uh, the ball in the end zone, and I snapped it over the quarterback's head. So. Well, I remember I what, most most football coaches, if they've been coaching for any length of time, have a story about a bad snap on a punt or a bad snap on an extra point. And I was so slow to the quarterback too. I just didn't. I didn't get how important it was to get it to the quarterback real quick. Uh, you so need I, to play quarterback, and then you'll know. There you go. <laughs> when you're waiting on that slow snap, <laughs> no, no doubt about it, uh, Coach. Uh, then keys to uh, Friday night's success this week's or this week's what you're talking about coming up, yeah. Yeah, uh, well, we're going to have to stay on top of the receivers and not let them get behind us. And then if uh, they do go with the young man at quarterback, the eighth grader, we're going to have to be very good in our rush lanes and, and particularly at our contained uh, spots. Make sure we don't let him just uh, run around there all night and you know find open receivers or scramble for a big place. Any news uh, or information for the fans who may want to make that trip? Well, we're playing in Lake Charles. Uh, Hamilton Christian plays at Ward 3 Rec Center. That's where the stadium is. And uh, uh, it's actually a, a huge stadium uh, for, a, for a small school. But uh, And the turf is usually very good. The, the, the grass is usually very well kept. So uh, that's where we play, and it'll be a 7 o'clock game. Trust you've had a decent week of preparation so far. I know we've had some rain, but uh, not too much. We're, we're drying out slowly. Our field is still a little bit soft. But uh, if we can get maybe another day or two of uh, no rain, I think that we might get back to somewhere near normal. There you go. Any other uh, news over at Highland Baptist, uh, athletically or academically, uh, you want to share? Well, cross country's in full swing. They had their first meet this past weekend. Uh, volleyball is at Catholic High tomorrow. And so uh, right now, those are the, the main sports that we have going on. We've got cross country and boys and uh, boys, I mean, football and uh, girls volleyball. Real good. Well, Coach, uh, always a pleasure. Uh, we'll look forward to recapping Friday night's game Saturday and again uh, hooking up with you next Wednesday. Good deal. Thank you all. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Coach. Uh, good luck to you. Uh, Jeff, uh, with that, you know, uh, high school football is uh, – Onward and on with uh, 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 this uh, particular uh, week and uh, our game uh, this Friday night. Uh, we do have a, uh, an entertaining game for you as we'll have the Lowerville Tigers on as uh, De Quincey. The De Quincey Tigers come to town. Uh, airtime is around 6.30 with the kickoff uh, approximately 7 o'clock. So it uh, should be an entertaining game. Of course, the Tigers uh, come up with a big win as we had uh, Coach Martin on yesterday uh, speaking about the win over Erath that they have and uh, talking about De Quincey being a pretty solid football team too. Yeah, I talked to Coach Matt Dufresne yesterday uh, at De Quincey. Uh, his team – He's pretty excited about his opportunities this year, that's for sure. And, uh, of course, Lorville, uh, uh, as you mentioned, garnering a few votes in the uh, in the AA poll for the Louisiana High School Sports Writers Association. So it should be an entertaining game, of course, always in Lorville as their fans come out in, in numbers, a tailgate and the whole nine yards. Oh, no uh, uh, just uh, going to be an interesting game to see how the Tigers do. As they uh, move on, trying to pick up their second win during the season here on Kane Radio. Airtime, as I mentioned, 6.30 with the uh, uh, kickoff approximately 7 o'clock. Uh, hopefully the weather will cooperate a little bit too uh, Friday evening. Yeah, and, and again, good to know that uh, they've got the turf field, uh, artificial uh, surface that will drain well. Uh, but, but again, you don't want to have to play in the rain even if the field's in good shape. Yeah, any other headlines we have uh, maybe with regards to hump day here, Wednesday on Bayou Sports, Jeff? Uh, with that, um, I'm yeah. trying to look up a few things, too. As yeah, you, a couple uh, of uh, U.S. Open notes um, for tennis fans. Coco Goff drops her quarterfinal uh, match to Caroline Garcia. And uh, Nick Caragios, uh, uh, interesting uh, player, a little uh, combative, uh, one of the more for the wrong reasons, maybe more colorful players right. in uh, the U.S. Open. Um, he has uh, exited uh, in a match that began last night but ended in the wee hours of uh, this morning. Nick Kyrgios uh, lost to Karen uh, Kachanorov, 
of Russia in five sets in a duel between two of the hardest hitters in the game, but also two players whose minds have often gotten in the way of the success that uh, so many predicted for them when they were teenagers. Uh-huh. Loss uh, really punctuated with him smashing rackets on the court, as he, he often does. Uh, that left Kyrgios as uh, sad as he has been in a long time, sadder than after he lost uh, the Wimbledon final earlier this summer. He said, I feel like I've let so many people down. It's just devastating. Uh, like it's heartbreaking, <laughs> not just for me, but for everyone that I know that wants me to win. A lot of people don't want him to win, though, too. No, you're right about that. Uh, but but uh, So a couple of big exits there. Uh, of course, Serena exiting the U.S. Open earlier in the week. But, um, yeah, it's it's got a different tone to it now, the U.S. Open. Yeah, it does. And uh, that I think the last uh, championship match on the men's side, women usually probably the day before, I think it's the 12th, where the uh, we'll find out who the champion is on the men's side for the uh, up in Flushing Meadows in New York. So, uh as always, it's uh, always a great and a, and a quick court too. They play on a hard surface, yeah. so uh, balls are really flying around up there in Flushing Meadows. So, uh, and uh, I'm not sure I haven't seen too much of it. Every once in a while, I'll take a look, see, but uh, haven't followed it that much. You're probably giving me more than I've heard about in the last uh, week or so. They've <laughs> played up in Flushing Meadows. Yeah, yeah, there are getting into the semis. Uh, uh, no, it would be the uh, no. That was a quarterfinal match. So yeah. Uh, semis coming up and and what uh, should be noted and we don't talk enough about women's sports um, and certainly we don't talk much about the WNBA but Sue Bird um, final game I I was watching uh, it's a best of five series she plays for Seattle I yeah. do believe huh? and they played Las Vegas in I guess it's sort of a semifinal because, yeah, the winner is uh, facing the winner of the Chicago series. But Sue Bird uh, played her last home game on Sunday, what turned out to be her last home game. And I remember seeing what uh, great fan experience uh, there was supporting Sue Bird. And I, I was looking at it and I was thinking, is this her last home game? And I said, you know, it could be. They went and lost that game. Uh, unfortunately, uh, it was a, it was. A great game that ended weirdly where Las Vegas uh, had almost like a 10-point run at right. the end. That's it right. was neck and neck up until right at the end. And you realize uh, then they got to go to Las Vegas for game four. They need to win game four for her to have another home game, uh, right. which would have been game five in this playoff series, but they lost last night. And uh, she... She has been there almost um, the entirety of the WNBA. Yeah, that pretty much. You know? That's right. She's played a good 20 years, I want to 22 say. 22 years, I think. Okay. Uh, wow. And she's uh, 41 years of age, too. Yeah. Will be 42 in October. So she, uh, and at 5'9", of course, played at uh, the University of Connecticut from 98 to 2002 and was one of the finer college players back in the day. Uh, and she... Uh, has uh, done that uh, through the WNBA too, playing a, that, that you know, 22 years, uh, you know, going from a young woman to an older woman in that league, and uh, she and, and you don't see a lot of longevity like that in uh, the WNBA. That's I right. Mean, that's right. And uh, and, she, and uh, you know, again, you know, women have different issues than men, and that. Do I want to have a child? Do I, you know, those kind of things. Oh, yeah. Uh, that, oh, that that's, will you're right. You're right. The career about that. of a female athlete. And, uh, well, I don't think that was the, the situation in her case. Uh, but she said uh, that she hadn't wanted to leave the court so that she could soak it all in. Started to cry again. I know the tears don't look like happy tears, but there is a lot of happiness. Uh, Aces coach Becky Hammond, uh, who has a great history herself. Uh, as a former assistant coach for San Antonio, one of the first female uh, coaches in uh, men's sport, uh, major sport, uh, said it was bittersweet to have defeated Bird to end her career. Uh, Bird had eight points, eight assists in the loss. Uh, Hammond said, I kind of feel like the girl that beat Serena. Um, Storm coach Noel Quinn, who also played with Bird in Seattle, called Bird the best point guard to ever play the game. She won four championships with Seattle last uh, in 2020. That season showcased the traits that have come to define her. Resilience and 
keen court vision. Didn't miss half the regular season with injuries, but uh, proved invaluable during Seattle's six postseason games. Um, they never lost during that playoff run. Bird uh, set a then-WNBA record for assists in a playoff game with 16 in Game 1 of the finals against Las Vegas. Uh, had double-double, 16 points, 10 assists in Game 2, which is uh, fairly rare uh, in, uh, again, the women's game. In the series, clinching Game 3, Bird spent the end of the fourth quarter on the bench um, laughing with Brianna Stewart. Uh, the Storm won that game by 33, but... She said, the fact that I'm sitting here, I think I'm having this, like, in-shock moment because it doesn't really feel that we just won and that I was able to contribute the way I did. But that was uh, the previous series. Obviously, a little bit of a different ending yeah, yesterday. You think she'd been playing basketball for over 30 years and all this kind of come to a pretty mm-hmm. quick halt, even though she may be playing some pickup games and things of that nature. But uh, I guess another question people are asking, well, is she related to Larry Bird? And that answer is no. They share the same last name, but uh, there's no relationship there that we can uh, come to. Uh, and her net, you know, her background, basically, she's, she's her family ancestry is Russian Jewish. And uh, I think she became a citizen of Israel over the course of the years. But uh, when 39 she and 0. She does have a look like that. Yeah. I mean, she she definitely right. has those little traits. olive complexion. Yeah. And uh, she went 39 and 0 her senior year at uh, Connecticut uh, uh, with the uh, Connecticut team. So uh, she's, you know, and she's ba- basically. Uh, I wonder, uh, there a question, you know, it's saying that uh, she may be the the uh, yeah, the WNBA model, as in Jerry West was for many years with the NBA. I think Sue Bird is the model in that regard for the WNBA. Uh, the logo, you mean? Yeah, the logo. Uh, that's, uh, I guess, an image of her dribbling a basketball. So, uh, you know, it all comes to, sooner or later, you know, all the great ones uh, have to uh, hang them up. And I'm sure it'll be tough for her, but... Uh, uh, life will continue, as we all know. No, indeed, and uh, wish her well going forward. Um, story I saw in the New York Times today uh, about last night's game and her final game. No reference to whether she has coaching aspirations True. or those kind of things. Yeah, that could all come into play, too. Not sure about that. Uh, and that'll be a decision she'll uh, ponder. But uh, to sit back, relax, and enjoy her her career of 22 years or 21 years approximately in the WNBA and uh, had some success and uh, wish her well and we'll see what happens in the meantime. Uh, anyway, Jeff, uh, go ahead and maybe take our next break here on Bayou Sports here on Kane Radio, FM 107.5 and AM 1240. We'll be back with more right after this. The Quarter Tavern is the premier spot for live music. Be there Thursday for Southern Jack Productions. Sunday the 11th, it's a special breakfast fundraiser for St. Francis Diner with T.K. Hewlin and Steve Adams from 9 to 12, and then the Saints at noon. 19 TVs has you covered for the Saints and LSU with half-price drinks during their games and dollar shots when they score. Quarter Tavern, 910 East Main across from McDonald's, now serving fresh fruit, margaritas, and daiquiris. Nowadays, none of us can be without adequate insurance coverage, but we still want to be sure we're getting the best value for the money. That's why so many people call the Schwing Insurance Agency to get a quote. The Schwing family has been handling the insurance needs of businesses and homeowners for almost 80 years. You can depend on Schwing Insurance to find the coverage you need at the best price. So before you buy a new policy or renew an existing one, call the Schwing Insurance Agency for a quote at 365-2357. Schwing Insurance, 300 East Main, across from the shadows. Is it time for a new roof or to repair the old one? Hi, this is Jake Blanchard with L.A. Classic Roofing. We're a third-generation roofing contractor that has been in the business for over 70 years. As a locally owned and operated company, we're also licensed and insured for your peace of mind. We offer free estimates and a $100 referral fee for full roof replacement. Check us out on Facebook at L.A. Classic Roofing. And the number to call is 465-3888. L.A. Classic Roofing, professional roofing solutions since the 1950s. With more than 50 years of pain diagnosis and pain relief experience, Headache and Pain Center offers the latest in interventional pain relief techniques at two locations in Gray and here in New Iberia. Compassionate board certified physicians and the caring staff offer minimally invasive ultrasound and fluoroscopy guided procedures that diminish or eliminate pain without open surgery, opioids, or major downtime. When you're in pain, you know who to call. Headache and Pain Center, 337-560-0880 or go 
to AnswerToPain.com. Hi, this is Boxcar Badger, inviting you to join me and PGA Golf Professional Teddy Slyman for Chip Shots. Mondays from 5 to 6 p.m., we'll take an in-depth look at the local, state, and national golf scenes, and we invite you to chip in with your calls at 367-1240. Chip Shots is sponsored by the Coca-Cola Bottling Company, GolfBalls.com, and our local golf clubs, Eagle Ridge, Kangaroo, and Sugar Oaks. So let's make a tea time for 5 p.m. on Mondays for Chip Shots on Kane. Stream us live on Kane1240.com and catch the podcast the next day. Now back to Bayou Sports. Phone lines are open to talk sports at 367-1240. Welcome back to Bayou Sports here on a Wednesday, September the 7th. And, uh, you know, college football, as we all know, is well underway uh, here in 2022. And uh, I was just looking for some big games. Uh, the one big game I see, a matchup, uh, a lot of people are going to be curious. That's a Saturday game at 11 o'clock over at, uh, in Austin where Alabama journeys into uh, Longhorn territory to play the uh, – the, Why the, is that an 11 o'clock game? That's a good question. Uh, I don't know that. I thought that game would, would be a good uh, – uh, telecast for a primetime game, uh, but uh, te- both come in one and zero. Alabama, uh, of course, Cruz, Texas uh, had a good game, but eleven a.m. in uh, Austin, uh, yeah, just you don't see those games like that uh, at all. But we'll see. Another interesting game is Tennessee travels to Pittsburgh to take on the Panthers. That that'll be a pretty interesting game too, and uh, that game comes on at two thirty. So. Uh, That'll be after the Alabama-Texas game, which should be over by that time. Other big games on the market, I'm looking for uh, uh, the uh, ranked teams playing against each other. Um, Kentucky at Florida, too. That should be a good game. Coach Billy Napier comes out, uh, kind of swept one out, but uh, comes out with a big win uh, over Utah, the number seventh ranked team in the country. Uh, Of course, uh, Southern Journeys to LSU to play a game, uh, trying to see any other ranked teams. Baylor uh, travels out to Utah to take on Brigham Young, uh, both Baylor number nine, Brigham Young number 21. uh, So that pretty much uh, caps it. Of course, the um, Friday night games, Louisville at Central Florida, Boise State at New Mexico are the two Friday night games. Uh, I believe that Louisville uh, Central Florida game will be on ESPN2. Boise State, New Mexico on the CBS Sports Network. So uh, college football, Jeff, as we all know, underway and going strong. So There, there is an NFL game tomorrow night. Yep, that's right, the Thursday night game. <laughs> the kickoff uh, the regular season, Los Angeles off the Rams. Uh, there are two L.A. teams I need to remember. Uh, but uh, they have traditionally been the first game, hosted the first game of the season. One exception, uh, a couple of years ago, 100th season, uh, the Bears-Packers had that honor. Neither in the Super Bowl, uh, certainly not the Bears. But, um, yeah, so uh, a traditional game, and what a matchup with Buffalo, man. Oh, it is. Oh, wow. Yeah, a lot of folks think that it could be a Super Bowl preview already. That's right. And uh, all you fantasy players, make sure you have your lineups in before 720 uh, as Buffalo journeys out to – Los Angeles take on the Rams right now. Buffalo, a two-point pick, too. Yeah. And on that's the on, the, on the visitors' turf. So uh, a lot of people like Buffalo in this game, too. Uh, both teams averaged about the same. Uh, Buffalo, 28.4. Uh, the Rams, 27-1. Uh, defense is about the same, seventh and ninth in the league last year. Uh, passing yards, Buffalo 10th. The Rams 5th. Uh, rushing the Buffalo 6th and the uh, Rams 25th. So uh, one that weakness maybe. Uh, the Rams like to throw it around a little bit more. Defensively, Buffalo was first in the league last year in scoring, defensive scoring. You know, it's, it's almost like the schedule makers said, you know, that coin toss uh, to decide who had the ball first in overtime in the NFC champion, AFC championship game it was BS. So we're going we're gonna to see these two teams play. That's uh, right. We want to see these two teams play because maybe it should have been them instead of Cincinnati. Uh, you can make those arguments, but, of course, uh, Cincinnati got the job done. That's correct. They, they won the coin toss, but that didn't guarantee a score. But, and, you know, there's a defensive side of the game, too. You That's gotta, right. you got to stop them. Absolutely. And I, I wasn't aware of this, but Buffalo not only were their first in defense for points allowed – they also were first in total yards and passing yards, mm. their defense. So uh, int- interesting as uh, the Rams like to throw it around with Stafford. And uh, I know he was injured 
had some surgery in the offseason on his shoulder, so uh, we'll see uh, how he looks uh, come uh, tomorrow night. He had limited work in preseason, uh, but they do think he's ready to go. Okay. Anyway, so a lot of big football games on tap here this weekend, and tomorrow night uh, the the professional game gets underway. Of course, the Saints journey to Atlanta Sunday at noon, so we'll see how it all comes out. Meanwhile, today in sports history, uh, September 7th, on this date in 1892, folks, gentleman Jim Corbett knocks out 4-1 to favorite and defending champion John L. Sullivan in 21 rounds at the Olympic Club in New Orleans. As uh, that's where James Corbett takes over. I think Corbett might have weighed 175 pounds, something of that nature. Well, John L. Sullivan was a good 200-plus, so uh, interesting about that matchup. Also on this date in 1905, I thought this was interesting too, Hornace Wagner became the first player to have his autograph branded onto the Louisville Slugger baseball bat in 1905. 1905, Hornace Wagner signed – his signatures so he could be burned into the Louisville Slugger. And as we all know, everybody liked to have a bat with their favorite player's name on it, uh, whether it be a 34-inch or 30-inch. Uh, anyway, on this date that was first done, Harness Wagner with the Pirates, uh, signing it and uh, being burned in by Louisville Slugger. In 1932, Earl Grace the, ends the NL catcher record by 100 consecutive errorless games. That's pretty amazing because back then the catchers kind of stood up. They went in that crouch position like we all see them today. Elsewhere, 1941, men's tennis in Forest Hills. 1939, Bobby Riggs beats uh, Frank Kovacs for the uh, national championship. Of course, we all remember Bobby Riggs taking on Billie Jean King in that Houston National Dome affair in 1973. There was a lot of talk that Riggs had bet on King to win the match to Bobby Riggs, the ultimate uh, promoter. Anyway, uh, in 1953, Roy Campanella sets a catching record of 125 uh, RBIs en route to 142 that year. I think he was MVP in the National League, too. Of course, uh, the Dodgers end up losing to the Yankees in the World Series that year. But in 1955, Whitey Ford becomes the fifth major league pitcher to hurl consecutive one-hitters. Can you believe that? One hit away in two games uh, to throw no-hitters. 1970, the White Sox use a record 41 players in a doubleheader and lose both games. Don Guthridge, who was a manager, uh, just pulling people left and right. He was fired later on that year. He was the last living member, though, of the St. Louis Browns who appeared in their only World Series in 1944. Of course, they lost to the Cardinals in that series. And in 1972, on this date, Opelousas native Rod Milburn with a world record 13.24 and wins the 110-meter hurdles and the gold medal at the Munich Olympics by just one-hundredth of a second over Frenchman Guy Drew, who won it, I believe, in 76. Elsewhere in 75, the Reds, uh, the earliest to win the National League division title, the Big Red Machine, go on to win the World Series that year. and um, what more can you say? 1978, the first game of the Boston Massacres, the Yankees beat the Red Sox 15-3. to As we all recall, that was the uh, year Bucky Dent hit the mm. home run to beat the, uh, the Red Sox ha- in the playoffs. Don Zimmer for his they whole did. life. Yeah, it sure did. Elsewhere in 1979, on this date, Jeff, E entertainment and sports programming began. The network began making its debut. Of course, we all know it as ESPN. They were making their home debut up in Connecticut and elsewhere. In 1980, Ace pitchers uh, record their 78th complete game of the season. Hard to believe that even today, if you'd have 10 or 11 uh, complete yeah. games by a team, would be a lot. But they did it 78 times. I remember Billy Morton was here for the Chamber of Commerce. He was the noted speaker. I remember standing up and Coach, you got a bullpen at all? He said, that's why we throw complete games. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of mocked me. Anyway, in 1981, West Tampa, uh, Florida, defeats uh, Richmond, Virginia, 64, to win the American Legion World Series. And the reason I mention that, on that team was Fred McGriff, Dave Manigan, and Lance McKellis. Pretty good lineup there. All made the major leagues, too. 1986, Dan Marino throws his 100th career touchdown pass, the fastest uh, quarterback in NFL history to do so. Also on this date, 92, baseball commissioner Faye Vincent resigns. And I'm sure uh, uh, he had to put up a lot with the Pete Rose controversy along with Bart Giamatti, who was uh, commissioner before him, who had a massive heart attack, I think, a few days after making that ruling on Rose, if my memory is correct. Boy, and, and what a... 
change uh, his exit and Bud Selig's entrance made. Baseball uh, profited financially because of it, but uh, did they... They, they lost a little something in their soul. I, I agree, and I just don't think a, a baseball owner should ever be made no. commissioner, period. And Sillig did a decent job, but uh, owners uh, would lean to the owners, even though he said, oh, I never have. Uh, you yeah. need somebody completely uh, uh, with no uh, bias and, at all. And there are two times he showed his bias. That's right. One with Milwaukee going to the NL, and another right. with Houston having to go to the AL. Yeah, he sure did, too. Yeah, I mean, the Houston fans will never forgive that. Also on this date, 1993, St. Louis Cardinals outfielder Mark Witten hits four homers and knocks in 12 runs in a 15-2 Cardinal win. And I think uh, Witten uh, tied the Major League mark of 12 RBIs in a ball game. Uh, Jim Bodley, also the Cardinals, holds that record. Elsewhere, birthdays today, 1908, born on this day, Paul Brown, NFL Hall of Fame coach in Cleveland Browns and Cincinnati Bengals owner, was born in Norwalk, Ohio. Uh, of course, he, uh, Coach Brown passed away in 91. And also on this date, Has 19- it been that long? Yeah, that's I right. I, I didn't think it was that long. Yeah, right at uh, 31 years. Wow. Elsewhere in 1931, Al McGuire, also uh, born on this date in New York City. Of course, Al McGuire famously uh, coached at Marquette and all. And uh, he, uh, he, he had a great, uh, the quote of the day, it didn't come out on here, but I couldn't recall it. He said, one mystery in life I could never understand is why did the kamikaze pilots wear helmets? Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, just in case. <laughs> anyway, so Al McGuire, remember, he used the term uh, with seven-footers, called them aircraft carriers for college basketball, too. The late Al McGuire, uh, remember him coaching in Baton Rouge in a regional, and they were playing Indiana. Now, never forget, he, he used to have to kick the, 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 the stand, the press stand. He knocked it over one, one afternoon. He kicked it, and the whole stand came over. Uh, Al McGuire, uh, just a great coach at Marquette, and won his last game. I think he won the national championship in was it 77, I do believe, somewhere in there, uh, he finally won. Yeah, and a lot of folks uh, remember more from his work with NBC. That's uh, right. Side, but, that's, yeah. that's correct. Anyway, Jeff, that's today in sports history, uh, September the 7th. And I uh, don't know if you have any maybe closing headlines or not. Uh, no, just, uh, again, big thanks to uh, our head coach today. Uh, again, uh, unfortunately, Artie Lioza couldn't make it. Uh, he had to uh, cover a class, and we understand that. But thanks to... Highland Baptist head coach Rick Hudson tomorrow. We're joined by a couple of coaches again at about 7.30. Nisha's Josh Learman and then Carol Olivier with uh, Kadiana Christian School joins us at uh, 8 or soon afterward. Big thanks to our sponsors, including L.A. Classic Roofing, the Quarter Tavern, Cane Row Golf and Turf Club, Schwing Insurance, and the Headache and Pain Center.